I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. Welcome along to the ninth annual Woolly Awards. I think it's the ninth. I say this every year. I've lost count. I think it could be sixth. I actually wouldn't be surprised if it was only the sixth. Um, with me, your host, Woolly. With me on this very special occasion, our GAR stalwart, uh, Conan Doherty. Conan, uh, welcome to the Woolly Awards. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege. And Brian Carroll is making his Woolly Awards debut. Brian, how's it going? All good, Woolly, yeah. Very privileged to be uh, here today. We have to get it. We have to have a hurling voice on the Woolly Awards. Cause I just throw out the hurling awards, like, you know. <laughs> and nobody's business. <laughs> no, and nobody has any say on this, whether it was the most stupid thing ever. Anyways, our, our nine award categories this year are number one, goal of the year, number two, flop of the year, number three, on field controversy. Four so-called weaker county shock of the year. Wasn't that many of them this year, actually. It took me took me a while to, to even find three nominations. Uh, maybe that's why we're having a new structure. Uh, number five, game of the year. Number six, individual performance of the year. Number seven, surprising managerial resignation or departure. Uh, and number eight, embarrassing punditry moment of the year. So that's the last one. So let's not waste any more time. Goal of the year. First for football, the nominations are James Carr versus Galway. 
don't need to say any more about this. We know how many million views did it get <laughs> on on Twitter. It went it went viral internationally anyways. It was yeah. a sensational goal. You remember this one, Brian? Picked the ball yep. up at the 45 and just slalom through in a, an unstoppable shot. Cahill Craig versus Mayo, brilliant goal as well. A little bit similar in some ways. Took the ball out along the sideline and shot in from the other side yep. and stuck it off the outside of his boot um, into the top of the net. And that was a really good goal at a really important time. Own Merchant versus Kerry beyond belief what this fella did even though he took 45 steps I'm not even going to hold that against him it was a sensational uh, goal at such an important time in the game uh, Jack McCaffrey versus Kerry in the first day you know a brilliant move uh, by Jack came from a kick out and he went bearing in on goal and it was only one result Brian Hurley versus Leach took the ball kind of on the on the full um, a brilliant goal it was thrown across to him and Stephen O'Brien versus Tyrone um, this was in the All-Ireland semi-final it was a great team goal in the end not the most unbelievable finish in the world but it was just the way the ball was worked up the field cannon yeah Paul Keane did really well that to draw like four players to him and then pop it across throw it across yeah and Brian who started the move way back like, and um, you wonder how he was left so free like that any any preferences there Conan before I give the award winner uh, for me it's like James Carr or Jack McCaffrey McCarr came off the stanchion and bounced right back out no it did yeah. that just added to you the know, aesthetics yeah. right and uh, McCaffrey was just so clean from the kick out the catch from Howard who's hanging in there for 10 seconds and it was three hand passes and that was a goal you know it was just so perfect yeah yeah, so you're on the fence there. You've given me two rather than one. So we'll <laughs> McCaffrey, have a go McCaffrey. Brian, any preferences there in the football ones? I'd be the exact same. Uh, probably Carfrey's finish. I think McCaffrey, the way that Dublin overcome the, the kick-out, that the strategy that Kerry had was very impressive in that. And obviously the run from McCaffrey, but the car finish was just oh, was phenomenal. It was, it was. And the way it bounced back out. And he actually ran past the ball as it was yeah. bouncing back out towards him as he went to celebrate. <laughs> like, I mean, it was beautiful. But none of your uh, preferences <laughs> have won, lads. Because um, we have to give the... Oh, well, I'm going to give the Woolly Award to Owen Merchant. And... The reason I'm going to give it to Owen Merchant is because this fellow wasn't on the team all year. Like he wasn't getting in the mix. He won a ball from a bloody throw-in and he carries the ball forward and carries it forward and you'd be kind of shouting at the television if you're a dub. Someone come on the loop, he's tired now, you know, knock it over the bar. Nothing had been separating those two teams, you know, for so long for him to keep going. And that finish is very underrated, lad. Off the outside of his boot, Mm. just while he was running as fast as he's running for a fellow who hadn't been on the team and fellow who's just playing in that All-Ireland final. And last, in the previous year's All-Ireland final, he was given a man-marking job, you know, so wouldn't have got into those positions. You know, when you weigh everything up, phenomenal young player um, to score a goal like that. And then again, when you score a goal off the outside of the boot like that, he could just wheel away (laughs) <laughs> kind of, you know, without stopping yeah. his run and it just was a beautiful thing as well. And like, I mean, he obviously didn't celebrate it because that's not what, you know, Dublin <laughs> yeah. do. I think he might have put his hand in the air. There was no crazy celebrations, but what a feeling for him. I was unreal. And it was it was nice the way it was David Moore who points it to him from the throne and then it was David Moore who he just went whizzing by them. Yeah. Like, and I do, part of me still thinks the steps takes away from it a little bit. He was being pulled for them, like, so I don't sort of hold him against yeah. him. But, um... Yeah, the finish is unreal. And it was the winner of the All-Ireland? It was the winner of the All-Ireland. And to be honest, when I was watching that game um, over in Australia, I was like, that that's done now. Mm. I couldn't see Kerry. I know they'd fought back from before. I just thought that that start for Dublin just kind of gave them the edge in the All-Ireland. So I'm giving it for the importance of that. So that's it. Owen Merchant for goal of the year for Dublin in the All-Ireland final replay against Kerry. All right, hurling now, uh, Brian. So we'll, you can take over from here. I've got some uh, nominations down here. 
You can tell me if you agree or disagree. You're not picking it, but you can give me your expert. <laughs> I'm really happy we're here. I love give this, me, yeah. Give me your expert view on it. Uh, Shamie Callanan, was it against Limerick where he, he he actually kind of dropped the ball and took it on the half, uh, on the half volley? Was that against Limerick? Do I have that, that right? That was against yeah, Wexford? against Limerick. No, no, that was against Limerick. Was yeah, against Limerick he, he scored two goals against Limerick, obviously. One simple stadium in the kind of dead rubber game. And that's Colin, the one. You and we know actually your role that here now. Stay out of it, I thought you meant the pool. Yeah, but I think that like that was a it was a great goal and a great finish. But he didn't mean any of it. It was one of those he improvised. where it just happened. Yeah, right. it just happened. It won't be something you'd practice at all. Um, it, was, it was a great goal, but probably... Uh, we've better ones coming. Yeah, okay. So Bubbles in the all Earn final against Kilkenny and this is all about Shamey. This could be the Shamey Callanan uh, <laughs> award because it's all about Shamey Callanan here to pass, a rocket of a pass across the goal to Bubbles who just kind of ha- pretty much had to get it across the line. Yeah, like I think, what, 82,000 in the stadium and only probably one person actually saw that pass on. Um, that was Shamey. Um, but when you look back on it, Joey Holden um, completely lost the plot altogether. He went running towards Shamey, completely left Bubbles all on his own. Now, Bubbles had a good first touch and finished it off the hurl, but as you said, it's all about the vision for Shamey. Yeah, exactly. Um, with Shamey Callan again against Leash. Um, and we have Shamey Callan against Wexford, where, oh, he, put, where he was real, that was it, where he's <laughs> running away from goal and generates the power to whip yeah. it back um, on his left hand side. Holy shit, like everyone could be Shamey Callan. Like, and we know he scored a goal in every round, Brian, but like they were fairly special goals. The leash one you liked. Yeah, I love the leash one just for the first touch. Um, it's an audacious first touch. Um, and everyone's been practicing it since. And he still had a lot to do to finish it because he was at a very narrow angle and he still had to beat, beat one of the defenders. Um, so it was, it was a great finish still. Um, probably not as spectacular then as the one against Wexford. Uh, that was off his right-hand side, actually. He pulled on that. Um, oh, he's right. Unbe- yeah, sorry. yeah, unbelievable finish. You know, throwback to hurling of bygone areas, areas where people are whipping on the ball. But um, And he waited for that um, until it bounced just right because it looked like he was going to pull and then just wait that split second till it bounced right and just fired an unstoppable top corner. That, that was spectacular. Yeah, we have a few more non Shane Callan and nominations. Shane Dowling versus Kilkenny. I have to say, I've oh, never yeah. I've never seen a goal like that before in my life where he's able to throw the ball up and bat it down like a tennis serve and for it to go into the corner. Like it, it kind of had the trajectory of a bicycle kick. You know what I mean? Because he's yeah, coming yeah. from a height and batted straight down into the corner another one I I can't believe he could have been practicing that being honest I think it's one of those ones where he just threw it up and left fly yeah. um, because you often practice the bat but as you said what he did it it was the trajectory of a bicycle that's a, actually a very good analogy um, and he just left fly got kind of a backhand um, belt at it um, unbelievable because he couldn't do much else because if he no. threw it up he was going to be blocked down um, so oh yeah we came out of nowhere as well it was you know it was one of those goals where you're like it doesn't matter who you're supporting, you just kind of jump up and go, whoa, yeah. you know. Can't believe, what he's ju- can't believe what he's just done. Another one, Patrick Horgan versus Kilkenny. Um, his second goal in the second half where he caught it, he, he, it's like he picked Hugh Lawler's pocket. He just stuck his yeah. hand over his shoulder, grabbed it, and it wasn't finished there. Continued on with a bit of a slalom run and then a lovely little cheeky deft finish into the net. Yeah, brilliant call as well. And, and um, I presume you have his first goal on it as well. Um, the one where he took the big hit and he's off his knees. And Oh yeah, uh, did it off his knees, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was a, an unbelievable goal where just pure power, uh, the strength of his wrist. And like, Pai uses such a, a heavy hurl. It's a massive boss, but such a heavy hurl as well. It just shows that 
power that he has in those wrists. Uh, he like that game alone was un- unbelievable from Pat. Yeah, it was TJ Reid versus Galway, an absolutely a brilliant goal, smashed it into the roof of the net. Yeah, another uh, brilliant at the dummy. He's done that so many times. Yeah. You know, feints that he's going to strike it, draws in the defender. Defender goes with the hook, hooks fresh air, and then TJ just finished as usual. That. Yeah, Classic. I think, but that that's you see that in Gaelic football so much more the kind of dummy solo yeah. and in hurling, yeah. you know, he does it well and he did it brilliantly there that he lined up to kind of shoot then just threw it onto the hurl like you said, whoever was trying to hook him then was completely out of the game. It was just it was beautiful. Yeah, he has that off to a tee. He's brilliant at that, and and obviously he's, he's other one is his trademark dummy. So, now that definitely is down to practice. Yeah, what rhymes with dummy is our last nomination, crummy. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh God! I can't believe I just did that. Like Chris, Crum- fairness to Chris Crummy, the importance of this goal can't be underestimated. Like this, this goal uh, was late in the game against Galway, who had that they had that famous win at home against them, Brian. Yeah, and it was just sheer perseverance and sheer will to get that ball into the net like because he just kept going took a couple of hits and just rifled into the back of the net and massive win like who would have thought you know that that would have knocked Galway out after Galway beating Kenny the week previous so, some finish that championship yeah and then who knocked Dublin out we might get that, to the, we'll get that <laughs> uh, keep, keep giving me links here Brian I sound like I sound like a, an RT presenter or something here so I do um, right well this is it it's uh, the moment of uh, the moment has come to announce the winner of the best goal in hurling of the year and it goes to Shane Dowling never seen anything like it Never, pro- you'd be doing well to ever see a goal like that again. When it comes, when it comes to that late stage of the game, it was thrown up and smashed down into the corner of the goal. I don't know. Do, do, like, would you see lads at training trying that, Brian? Just like you know, like I don't even think, even think you would. I, I tell you, we're lucky. I'm on the phone here, shaking my head in disgust and, and disgusted <laughs> now for Shamey. I think he's been hard done by. Uh, he'd be he, he won't be a fanny anymore, will he? Which one? Which oh, the, the least one is the I'd, one you I'd, wanted. I'd give I'd give him the one against Wexford. Yeah. Uh, the one against Wexford. Throw, but this is the thing, though, Brian. But you just said. Yeah, but you just said, hurling. you just said, and I understand that ground hurling thing, but you just said, that's Shane Dowling goal. You're watching that at home, you jump up off the couch, you go, what the true. hell? What a goal. Yeah. That's yeah, what goal yeah, of the yeah, year true. is for. Yeah, it was hard to watch the calendar yeah. one without going, oof. Yeah. Like just wait, like when you see it in slow motion and as Brian says, it's waiting for the perfect moment for it just to pop up a couple of inches and bang. Yeah. It's special. Yeah. Okay, well listen, that's it lads. The the the, the presenter has spoken. It is, <laughs> Conan, we're it really is. getting a look in here. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm weighing up your, your opinions here lads. Really am. It's feeding a- into it. Aptly named the Woolly Awards. <laughs> <laughs> so the winner of the best hurling goal of the year is Shane Dowling. All right, lads, number two, award number two is flop of the year. So football, the nominations are Tipperary footballers. Um, really had a nightmare year. They got relegated out of Division 2 to Division 3. They got beaten by Limerick, a Division 4 team in the Munster Championship. And then they got beaten in, by Down in the first round of qualifiers. In fairness, an improved performance against Down away, but still a horrific year. Uh, Carlo footballers, they were relegated from Division 3. Um, back to Division 4, then they got uh, hammered by both Mead and Longford in the Championship, didn't win a game, played two and got hammered in both. Um, you know, pretty much embarrassing for for the trajectory they were on on the way up, you know. Um, and then we have Monaghan, um, the third nominations, almost relegated from Division 1, um, just about stayed in, then lost to their big-time rivals, um, Cavan, and then got destroyed by Armagh. 
Yeah. You know, any preferences uh, there, Conan? Ooh, like three very worthy nominees. It is. <laughs> like, it is. Um, like, and, and all of them because of the trajectory they were on. Like Tipperary, were, we felt like they were always on the cusp of something, and and then just back to square one. Cardo, I mean that was, that was a terrible year. Like that was just really bad. Like it's rock bottom stuff. And Monaghan because they were in the semi final the year before. And yeah. again, you're thinking, are, are are they going to push you on? They should have beaten Tyrone in that semi final, and then yeah, beaten by Cavan out against Arma. Yeah. Um, but, uh, honestly, I could go either there. I'll, I'll buy They're all, it. Yeah, they are all. Any preference there, Brian, for you? Well, I think Carlo's hashtag Carlo Rising, um, for that alone, I'd nearly give it to him because there's no, there was no rising this year. No. no, Carlo Falling was the hashtag, I think, this year. <laughs> and obviously, they have, they have a good PR man in the former coach who likes to talk up. Um, his his performance with them but I suppose he doesn't like to pay too much attention to this year which was hor- let's be honest horrific from Carlos so the only way back up is for Carlo now I'm going to go for Tipperary um, lads because really an all in semi-final in Liam Kern's first year and then, then he's into year four and you're thinking Jesus and they had a few injuries and different excuses for the different years and then to be relegated for Division 2 the Limerick result was just you know mm. embarrassing um, really for being honest because Limerick went horrifically or pretty badly in Division 4 so that was a huge shock and then to not win a game at all you know so um, for flop of the year in Gaelic football I'm going to go for Tipperary all right, hurling, uh, Brian. So we the nominations for hurling. Do you have any nominations yourself? Um, you can't. <laughs> so you, you might know one nomination. You're not. Going, I might know no. one there. <laughs> Could it be awfully? You're not. You're not going to escape from that. But like, I mean, I think genuinely for flop of the year in football, there's three very very strong candidates. And in, in fairness, for hurling, there's three very very strong candidates as well because we have the clear hurlers. And the reason Clare are in there, even though they won two and lost two in the in the Munster League, it was what was expected of them, wasn't it, Brian? There was a lot of people at the start of the year potentially tipping them for an All-Ireland. They had gone I did so well. myself, yeah. You did yourself, yeah. And they should have beaten Galway last year in the semi-final. And yes, they did win two games, but they struggled over a very poor Waterford team. And then they got destroyed in their next two games. You know, it was the manner of those defeats, I suppose, that have have them in as a nomination for flop of the year. Um, they only beat Cork in that dead rubber really at the end too at the end, Cork yeah, were, at home. were going to qualify anyway so yeah at home there was a bit of a kick in that alright but as you said they, they really flopped in the middle of that Munster Championship yeah Waterford um, nightmare year I suppose not, com- not coming on the back of a very good year like Clare, coming on the back of another very poor year last year. I'd imagine if I was to look back, they would have been a uh, nomination last year. Hammered by Tipperary, hammered by Limerick, hammered by Cork. Uh, a minus 52 score difference. Mutiny amongst the players. Like to say that they are a worthy candidate for flop of the year would be an understatement. Yeah, two years now in the Munster Championship and half won a game, um, but they're okay from relegation. I know that's a, a sore point and another another point altogether, but um, you know, their performance has been absolutely atrocious considering they were in an All Ireland final only a couple of years ago. And then obviously getting to a league final this year. Like you know, they were beaten comprehensively in terms of hurling in that league final, yeah. but they were only beaten by eight points. But had a league the, the hurling league now is a farce though, Brian, if we're being honest. It is. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's it just is. it's just another Walsh Cup. You know what I yeah, mean? If we're is, being yeah. honest, the way yeah, because the way the, ch- the championship is structured, it is. It's just a warm up now at this stage. It's a warm up. That's it. And then obviously, last one is Offaly, um, who got relegated to Chris Dring and got relegated out of in the league as well in a really yeah. horif- horrific yeah. year for you, for you, Brian. Absolutely horrific. No, um, only one win the whole year, and that was against Carlow. 
um, in another, I think it was a dead rubber game as well. Oh no, that so, was to um, avoid, they, they avoided relegation with that, did they? No, no, no. They won that game, which was a oh, dead rubber. And then got beaten by right. eight points up at half time. Uh, Carlo down to 14 men and we still managed to get relegated. And then obviously in the John McDonough, we lost all four games. I was there myself for two of them and just a horrendous year, just one thing after another. Yeah, exactly. So uh, um, all all noises from the camp now good under under Michael Fennelly? Yeah, they seem to be training away. There's a big panel at the moment that's it'll be cut over the next couple of weeks. So, um, But look, for for hurling people and Offaly, like we're playing Kildare, we're playing down um, you know that tells you the, the standard that we're at at the moment and we deserve to be there on merit sure, yeah. that's for sure yeah you deserve to be there and you deserve to be winners of flop of the year <laughs> congratulations yeah, congratu- congratulations to all your commiserations <laughs> we won something this year <laughs> <laughs> okay so award number three is on field controversy and we'll start off with hurling this time I think the hurling ones are probably uh, better this year is Greg Kennedy catching the ball versus Kilkenny um, comes onto the field Brian you can take it away f- away from there like uh, outrageous stuff really outrageous stuff and I was actually <laughs> commentating the same evening as, and um, it was like like what just happened there um, like the referee's back turned as well so he really didn't have a clue what was after happening and it was just the crowd went absolutely mental and I never seen the Kilkenny crowd to get so heated um, and you know he got away scot free I think that's actually one of the, the great things about it like he got he got away with murder and then got to go off and just stay on the sideline. Um, I know yeah. he got a ban afterwards, but you know he really should have been sent off. But uh, Greg Kennedy, he doesn't regret one second of it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> that could have caused a riot, really, if you're being honest. Like, I mean, because you ever notice when, like, if a selector gets involved and one of the opposition team puts their hand on him, for some mm. reason, players are much more protective of one of their backroom team being touched than one of their own teammates. You ever notice that? It yeah, re- it's it, always mental, yeah. It really flares up. But anyways, the other one, on-field controversy, another nomination is Richie Hogan's red card. And like, I mean, this blew up way more than it should have, really, uh, Brian, if we're being honest. Like, uh, I think the Kilkenny pundits didn't help it by, you know, I thought, be honest, they said it to JJ that it's only the Kilkenny pundits that are actually defending uh, this red card. And I don't know any neutral. I think you were a little bit more sympathetic towards him. Yeah, look, I think letter to law, it was a red card. I Naked eye, when I saw it first, I thought it was yellow, personally. Um, I could see that Cottle Barrett had moved backwards. He did what no one expects him to do. Everyone would expect Cottle Barrett to go forward, down the line. Richie Hogan would have nailed him with a shoulder. And that's all Richie Hogan's intent was. But Cottle Barrett did something that you just don't expect. And he stood backwards um, to avoid the hit. And Richie obviously caught him. He just kind of threw out his arm because he realised he wasn't going to get him with that big shoulder. Um, I can see why there was controversy it ruined all Ireland but then that's not the referee's fault the referee really didn't want to send him off he, he spent ages deliberating over yeah. it but ultimately he did get the right call but that's, that's the thing Conan it's almost like some of the pundits saying he shouldn't have gone off because it ruined the game what yeah. kind of analysis is that though like I mean yeah. let's be honest that's not up to the ref to keep the game no. entertaining well, then why you know? implement any rules if it won't you know send the game in the direction you want to send it yeah and I, th- I think we all probably feel sympathy like if you're about to shoulder fresh air then you, your natural tendency is to maybe lift up your arm and try to get something yeah but when you hit somebody in the face then you probably won't do it again like it doesn't mean you're allowed to do it like it's still dangerous yeah so. I was saying at the time that this this actually happened to me in a couple of football games until I had to figure out I'm trying to shoulder someone I miss them and all of a sudden then you hear opposition players going hey 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 and I'm like it? what are they giving out about 
I missed him. What did it? And then it's because your elbow just comes up to try and yeah. get a little bit on it. <laughs> I did it twice and then I figured out, feck, I better stop doing that because that's actually looking yeah. like I'm trying to elbow this fella. If you caught somebody yeah, in the and jaw. There's a, couple, a couple of things there. Number one, you, I know it's, it's something really satisfying about hitting a lad a big shoulder and driving on a hard line. But it's actually, if you miss him, it's, that's the line that yeah. you, you hit. Like you, yeah. You're going to get sent off because like, you're, you're invariably going to hit him in the head or something. Um, so you really should have been trying to stand him up in the tackle there and well, using that, your hands. That's the thing. I've, I can't remember which manager of mine said that he didn't want to ever see that, that that's a cop-out. Yeah, that that's it is the, a cop-out. The easiest thing to yeah. do is to launch yeah. yourself at someone and then they sidestep you. And you haven't and this, helped, you and haven't helped the team. Age, most players are actually able to yeah. get out of that big hit. You know, it, it, it needs to be absolutely perfect. And then the other thing is, probably from Richie Hogan's perspective, and it's the way the Kenny people play, like, to give them credit, you go back to the hit he got in the All-Ireland semi-final off Bill Cooper, yeah. where Bill Cooper nearly decapitated him, and Richie just bounced back up, and Bill got a yellow. You know, and it was the same referee then as well. You know, so yeah. it's... Uh, it's, it's um, or the quarterfinal, sorry. Quarterfinal. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, you can see why people get angry over it to say there's inconsistency in the game. Though. Yeah, no, exactly. The other one, um, Hawkeye, a couple of times with Brian Hogan, uh, Brian, who caught the ball over the bar. Um, I don't think so. Carl Barrett was in here last week and he was laughing at the fact that these were points at all and he would have been fairly close to them. So, but we know we're going to have yellow slitters now, Brian. So we're going to have the technology in that slitter to be able yeah. to tell us exactly. I, don't, I think the first one was, I don't think the second one was. That in the All-Ireland, I don't think the one in the All-Ireland final, no way. And I think the most confusing thing for people, whether it's in the stadium or at home, this rubbish that they put up, the trajectory of the ball, and it shows as if it's gone about two or three <laughs> yards over the bar. And you're like, there was literally centimetres in that. Yeah. You know, so, like, they really need to clean that one up. Or, and the other thing is, I can't understand is why they won't show the camera angle. Um, because there is clearly a camera there. They're able to show it for what they want to show it. And then the, the won't show the camera angle. Can we actually really zoom in on that and see where his hand was? Yeah, no, exactly. That's fair enough. So the winner of the on-field controversy in hurling, it has to go to Richie Hogan. Let's be honest. It's all we spoke about for weeks after the all Ireland final. So congratulations, Richie Hogan, on-field controversy in hurling. Okay, in football, lads, we have three nominations. Owen Merchant, who just won goal of the year, and now on-field controversy for the amount of steps. You could... uh, Was there a big deal about that, Conan? I know I was away in Australia. Like, I mean, was there a big deal? We know you're not allowed to question anything Dublin-related, or you're anti-Dublin hater, and you're a culture and all this. But were people calling this out, or was this brushed? I saw this during the week as well. People arguing about it, like the Merchant steps. Defending the steps? No, people, people. yeah, somebody saying he took too many steps and Dublin fans and we won five in a row, shut up. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 you hate us. But like, yeah, still going on, like, you know, now in December. Right. So this, well, know, was there much of the analysis, I mean, after the game? Ah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's straight away, like, you know, during the game as well, you could see it on Twitter and stuff. Like, right. People just straight on it. You know, <laughs> it, it always goes back to the time. Remember I was sent to Kane, I think as long as you're being fouled, you should be allowed to run. And Kane just leant over and said, that's rugby. <laughs> <laughs> that's <a> <laughs> so I've had to rethink everything since. <laughs> did, did you hear that, Brian? It was one of the yeah. it was one of the best moments on the show. Like, I think you should just be allowed to stay running if you're being fouled, <laughs> Conan. That's called rugby. <laughs> okay, right. The next one is Peter Hart's black card. It wasn't that much on field controversy in football. If I'm throwing in a black card, but this one was 
Um, you know, it was a very big moment in that game because this was our first big, huge game of the season. And let's be honest, it was a huge, it had a huge bearing on the game. And for me, I think the analysis I had on Monday was that uh, Ryan McHugh completely made the most of it. Yeah, Hart was a little bit reckless lunging in, but Ryan McHugh knew exactly what he was doing and, and got him the black card. Yeah, and it was the one that got him suspended as well. He got one rescinded then, but at the oh, time yeah. it was it caused a shitstorm. I, I think it, like, like all black card debates now, you get to a boring where it comes down to the yeah. letter of the law. And I was sort of thinking, well, he put his foot across and he probably shouldn't have. And like Matty Fordis, and he, t- he tackles very clumsily. You know, so yeah, I don't think this is spicy we, enough. No, no. Well, we had very few uh, the the black card debate, which is a favourite on the Marty squad. Every time I was driving <laughs> home, it's just constant black card, is it? And there's no like that's just an opinion on whether it's a black card. It can get a little bit boring. We didn't have much this year. I thought that was probably the biggest one. The other nomination is Turlock O'Brien um, and Brendan Murphy. And their former coach, I can't exactly, his name's escaped, escapes me now. It rhymes with coacher. <laughs> <laughs> He's a coacher. So, you, do you see the footage of this, Brian? This was Turlock kind of out of his mind at this stage. They just, it was a very important, uh, it was a very important loss in the league where they thought they had been rowed by the referee and he, he took off from one sideline over to the other. Have you, did you see this, Brian? Or am I yeah, on? I did actually, yeah. So this is yeah. just when managers lose control. Yeah. It could be on like one of those uh, TV channels. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube hits. Yeah, YouTube hits. So yeah, that's the third nomination. That's a proper on-field controversy. I suppose Merchant is and Peter Hart is less so. So the winner of on-field controversy has to go to Turlock O'Brien, Brendan Murphy and our former coach whose name escapes me right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lads, we'll continue on. Um, award number four is the so-called Weaker County Shock of the Year. So our first nomination, we've, get, we've mentioned this. There is some crossover in some of this, lads. Um, Limerick versus Tipperary. This is in the football. This was a huge shock at the start of the year. I have to say, though, there was not many shocks in either hurling or football from weaker counties. Again, I've touched on this. That's why we want the new championship. That's why hurling is tiered. And, you know, you don't see it all that often. Um, obviously, Limerick beat Tipperary 3-11 to 1-10. There was no fluke about this. They, did get a, they got a late goal, but they were already four points up. Um, the late goal put it out to seven. It was a convincing win for Limerick against Tipperary. And to be honest, Liam Kearns was probably a dead man walking after that. Um, second nomination is Carlo, who drew a Galway in the league. You remember that, Brian? Like, I mean, yep. again, in, it, it is hard to find them in, in hurling, I suppose. We could probably throw Kerry beating Offaly in that relegation playoff. But was that a huge shock at the time? I thought Offaly would have beaten them in that, you know, with their backs to the wall. But, um, yeah, we Car- got a man sent off after 10 minutes. That's what killed us. Oh, that was and it. We missed, and we missed the penalty. So uh, we, we definitely threw it away that day. Yeah. Carlo drawing with Galway in the league, though, in Dr. Cullen Park. That was a huge, Matt, that was a huge yeah. shock. A big shock, but then, like, you look at Galway really went through that motions in the league. They only had, I think, five or six of their starting 15 on the team that day. And then, like, Watford beat them in, in the league um, semi-final after. So Galway were kind of going through the motions. That, as he said, that league, you can't read much into that. Yeah, true. One match we can read loads into was the winner of this award, and that was Leash beating Dublin in Amore Park. One of the greatest matches in GA I've ever been at, especially involving my own county. I remember saying after the game that after, in 1992, I was 14 and we went to, to Navan to, to watch uh, Leash take on Mead. And Mead had been in the All-Ireland final year before. I remember they had the four games at Dublin and Mead were like a huge team um, at the time. And Leash went up to Navan in their own backyard in a knockout first round and put Mead out. 
and it was just like geez I think we we were under 14s with Portleash and we played a challenge match that morning you know when you do that you're with all your friends then on the terrace and we all just charged down to the wire and got onto the pitch and you're just running kind of out of control and then the the only other time I've I've just blindly wanted to be out in the field for no no apparent reason was this game the final whistle blew I was with Itzy and two friends and I just abandoned them I was just out I just wanted to and I was, when, I, when I ran out in the field then I didn't know what to do because I wouldn't know the hurlers that well I didn't you know want to be like an imposter at, you know don't go to that many games and I just ran around for a while and then just stopped <laughs> and that was it and then I just kind of looked around to see that I know anyone and then you hug a few people and I don't know just don't have enough moments like that you know when you follow your own county well I haven't anyways uh, Brian I don't know about you our days are gone. We had them in the nineties. Yeah, well, you did. <laughs> well yeah. I tell you, I'm lucky. I didn't have a forfeit for that match because uh, I called on this show that there's no way Leash would beat Dublin. No, <laughs> no way. At someone that came up from Joe McDonough would win a qualifier. Um, I fairly hit my hat on that one, but uh, no, I, I agree with you. That has to be the winner. This. Yeah. Have you any moments with Derry? I'll get Tyrone in the first round that time when they were a defending champions. Oh, four was it? That was uh, 2006. Healy Park. Yeah, six 0 last time. You were out in the field there, were you? No. Yeah, we were. But I had the saddest moments of in my life, actually. But the happiest moments it was 2004, Derry beat West Meath in the All Ireland quarter final. Oh, yeah. and it was the first of a double header, and the Derry fans ran onto the pitch and invaded it. Dublin were out warming up, <laughs> and the Derry fans just started taking it all in the stewards trying to get us out of there. Um, just won a quarter final match and got beat the next day, but yeah, yeah, great memories. Mickey Moore was in charge, yeah, that was a poor memory for me because West Meath beat us in the Leinster final that year That's in, right. in 04. Anyways, winner of the so called winter, this was the easiest one to call lads Leash beating Dublin congratulations to Leash for the shock of the year Okay, game of the year is the next one lads number 5 now we'll run through some of these uh, fairly quick the football one first Armagh versus Mayo a classic qualifier in uh, McHale Park um, it, you know Mayo goes go on these adventures and this year was no different they should have been beaten really by Armagh who, who you know rallied really well in the second half but Mayo, Mayo uh, just uh, stayed in front Donegal versus Kerry in the second round of the Super 8s. 120 to 120. Michael Murphy won seven. Paul Gini won four. Stephen O'Brien, three points. Um, Killian Spillane, I think, got three points as well. That might have been his first start in that game. Just an outstanding game. It was a shootout. It was like, I can't believe Donegal have come to Croke Park to take Kerry on like this. And it was like just non-stop. One unbelievable point was followed by another unbelievable mm. point. And so many like class individual battles going on as well. I remember Menemon was marking Clifford and doing some job on him. Yeah. And we had McHugh against Gavin White for 20 odd minutes or whatever, but that was brilliant beforehand. Some class passes, both teams going out to win it. Like, yeah, which is been rare over this decade but it sort of showed the changing of the game. it can be done yeah. yeah and it is changing a little bit Armagh versus, versus Down in the Ulster Championship this was a first classic of the year and this was a this was a brilliantly exciting game we saw a lot of long kick passes to both of their full forward lines you know mm. and uh, Armagh were five points up with four minutes to go and Down get one two to draw it and then you think Armagh are gone and it was kind of the emergence of um of Burns, um, Jarlow, yeah. Jarlow Burns, yeah, um, Jarlow's son. He was unbelievable that day. Just a sensational engine on him. So he kind of made his uh, made his entrance <coughs> into the into the intercounty scene, and then followed it up obviously with the two great games against Cavan as well. Yeah, because this was the one where all the stats were going on about Armagh and their Ulster Championship record as well. Oh yeah, it, there was a lot of pressure on yeah, them. Yeah, and it looked like they had completely blown it, and then they had to dig deep again. That was like. 
this is uh, the Cross McLean boys as well were really firing for them and, the, and Mernon came back remember and he had such a big effect on them oh yeah oh uh, yeah Ulster Championship that was a brilliant game yeah. and I mean then obviously Cavan and them had a very good game the, the first day and you know we were all raving about what's happened this Ulster Championship this is fair <laughs> so the Munster final was brilliant it was Cork 3-10 Kerry 1-19 nobody was really expecting that because Kerry went into a, an early lead and it was like here's another hammering and then Cork <laughs> start getting goals and stayed in it um, yeah, I think it was. I was in Kilkenny watching that one Saturday evening at, at a stag or something. You just remember where you are when there's a really good game, <laughs> yeah, don't you? We, yeah. Um, the winner of the game of the year, though, in football, has to be has to be the All Ireland final the first day. My God, what did this game not have? Like it had everything, and it had Dublin as as the champions that they are, dead and buried, and to do what they did to Kerry in those last 10 minutes and pin Kerry in when Kerry had an extra man and Stephen Cluxton moving out playing cornerback. Yeah. This just beyond belief. The scores that were the scores that we saw, the controversy with Cooper getting sent off, the individual performances, Jack McCaffrey's performance, Clifford's performance, Geeney, all these it was one of the best games you'll ever see and um, t- for it to happen in all our final was just unbelievable. Yeah, keeper like Stephen Cluxton stepping up as well, making a couple of saves. You know, it was um, uh, it was unreal, and it actually spilled over into the first half of the second game as well, which is one of the best first half I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, uh, ever. But like, I think the first game overall, the second half of that room would have, you <laughs> yeah. know, that would have been a match for it only for Dublin pulled away in the, yeah. in the after the goal of the season was was scored <laughs> yeah, by Owen Merchant. So. What do you think, uh, Brian? Uh, game one, all Ireland final. You'll agree or agree with me on this one. Yeah, definitely. I, m- I remember growing up watching the, there was a great video about the Kerry-Dublin rivalry. Um, well, yeah, I would have been the video, the, the VHS, watching them um, for years and absolutely enthralled with those battles. And I think that was definitely a throwback to this quality. It was unbelievable that day. And from a hurling person, it was actually worth watching. <laughs> That's <it>. higher, <laughs> High praise, praise. higher praise we won't get caught in. So this is just a big moment. So there you go. Dublin versus Kerry, game one, all Ireland final, 116 to 116 is the football game of the year. <laughs> hurling now, Brian, and nominations. Jeez, there's some very good games um, in the hurling championship. Both all Ireland. at that. Both all Ireland, but this always happens. Like, I mean, it was stuttering until semi final stage, though, if we're being honest. Obviously, Leash and Dublin was a brilliant game and a huge shock. Um, we had Kilkenny and Galway in the Leinster Championship. Munster Championship was a big letdown, I suppose, this year, whereas we had non stop classic games in that. We didn't have them this year. Yeah, that's that's a very valid point. The Munster was a real letdown, and we were gloating. Uh, we were very happy, JJ and myself and you, um, for most of that summer. <laughs> we were, yeah. Going on about the, the the quality of the Leinster Championship and what it brought to the hurling championship this year. So long may that continue. But that Kilkenny uh, Galway game that was an unbelievable game because Galway were dead and or Kilkenny were dead and buried, and then they made this big comeback um towards the end of it and you know we we talked about the TJ goal in that I think it was Brian Concanon scored a goal after 50 minutes and it put them something like nine ahead and then sta- then Kilkenny staged their comeback yeah and Gal was still sawed out sawed but there was a couple of great games and probably not even on the list actually that um Dublin Wexford was another uh, cracking game um Sean Moran getting a free to, to draw oh, the yeah, game that yeah, day yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, so, you did that. You, you did that with RT yeah. as well, didn't you? I remember yeah, you saying Yeah, I did. That. And it was a cracking game because it looked like Wexford had done enough that, you know, they got a, um, a couple of goals and looked like they'd done enough, but Dublin just somehow got back into it. And Yeah, Dublin-Kilkenny um, was a brilliant game too. That was a Greg Kennedy thing. Right, and then yeah. it was Dublin were well in that game until Ken- Kilkenny kind of pulled away towards the end. 
That's right, yeah. And that was a real humdinger game, a real physical game. Galway, or sorry, Dublin came with what I would say, um, it was Gregory Kennedy and, and Matty Kenny kind of tactics. The, the, the three halfbacks man-marked, um, oh, yeah. pestered the shit out of the three half-hours for, for Kilkenny and did a fine job at it for long, long periods of the game. And one part, actually, if you remember, it's a big controversy, Wally Walsh and... Um, was it crummy? I can't remember. They went at it like two bulls anyway. And eventually crummy, won. Yeah. Uh, and crummy then fell to the ground as if he was KO'd. But, uh, you know, that, that, that was a great game too. Yeah. The winner though of the hurling game of the year, according to me, is the All-Ireland semi-final Tipperary against Wexford. Absolutely oh, unbelievable game. One. Yeah. yeah, definitely. 128, yeah, to, 128 to 320. There was a sending off there was a penalty, there was disallowed goals, there was the Liam Ryan point, which we all know. Then there was the Lee Chin goal that looked, an unbelievable goal that looked like had completely wrapped it up, even though, look, there was 20 minutes left, but Wexford were completely, their tails were up at that stage. And then they only score once from play after the 50th minute and Tipperary come back into it. And, you know, ah, look, there was just so much to talk about after that game on the Monday. It was incredible. Incredible. And I'll agree with you fully in this. I was, it was just unbelievable. And, Wexford to lose their way to be so structured for so many years under Davy, and then literally just getting over the final the, the the hurdle, and they literally just lose the plot and start poking it long, lose their poke out strategy, launch everything long. Their sweeper becomes ineffective, and it's just what did they just do? And you know, tip to their credit because the one thing they've been criticised over the last couple of years is they don't have any bottle and they can't back it up and. They really were men that day, every one of them. Um, but in particular, Ronan Maher, fullback. Potty obviously always does it, but Ronan, fullback, launching bombs down the from him. He was, he was unreal. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. So there you go. Hurling uh, game of the year was the All-Ireland semi-final between Tipperary and Wexford. OK, so individual performance of the year. This is award number six. So we'll start with football. I've loads of these lads. There was loads of good performances, individual performances. I think Kieran Kilkenny in the All Ireland final uh, replay, Conan. All he had to do was get a simple message, but from Jim Gavin to say, "Will you uh, maybe start trying to attack a little bit more?" <laughs> what was it like, Homer Simpson in that Simpsons episode? Can you when he was the, he was given a job of being the manager by this what, what, whatever your man's name? He says, "Can you work harder?" Okay, sure, boss. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Burns, is it? <laughs> no, no, it was somebody else. But anyways, Kieran Kilkenny, All Ireland final replay, all four, and he set the tone early in it. Like, I mean, he was just going for it. And it's like this. Um, how much criticism have I given him down through the years on this show about? passing it sideways and being called a playmaker by people who just don't know what a playmaker yeah. is and that's what Kieran Kilkenny is capable of it's such a waste of a player you yeah. know because anyone else can nip the play together and take a one-two exactly. and keep yeah. it ticking over that's not that's not special player kind of stuff which is what he has always been capable yeah. of like you don't need Kilkenny around the back just to take the ball and switch the play like you know yeah. some, anybody could do that like um and him scoring four points and being so dangerous for them attacking wise and setting up scores, it didn't take away anything from his all round game. Like no. he was still winning breaks and kickouts and doing so much work down around the middle and he was able to do all that too. Yeah. And it was interesting that interview we had of him where he was talking about it was just a, a message, just yeah, just will you go and help us win the game? And he's like, All right, yeah, like I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. Why did I ask him before? It makes you wonder was that was that not asked of him before? Or, you know, maybe not asked of him but can you do all that work? And he thought maybe that's exclusively that's what I need mm. to do. And maybe miscommunication. I don't know. When I suppose, Brian, when you're winning as much as Dublin do, 
there isn't the same kind of pressure maybe to change somebody's role or ask them to do something different. If it's no, not broken, don't fix it. And probably the professional area where it's all cut up in stats and we hear about, you know, currently Kenny having 50, 50 possessions. Yeah. And But as you said, you know, analyse them. Like they're going sideways and backwards. And yeah. and I, I think probably the most frustrating thing from a neutral perspective looking at Kieran Kelly is to see that he was he was having no real bearing on the game. And then to see him then be able to do that in the because you know he has that in his locker. You know, he can he can score three or four or five points and play. He can go through for goals. You know, Conor Callaghan can do it, obviously. But Kieran Kenny can do it just as well, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. And he had been kept very quiet in the first game by Crow- uh, Crowley had done very well on him. So, like, he needed to improve it, and he did. Conor Cox in the Connock final, some outrageous scores. The outside of the left from the sideline is one that will live long in the memory. If it was point of the year, that would definitely be in the mix. We were debating, did he mean it? Um, on Monday, it was so outrageous. Um, what, kind of, what did we come down on that he did? Oh, yeah, he looked across, but the person wasn't... He didn't. We came down on the side that he did mean it, right? Yeah, I think I the think way we did. analysed that whoever was at the back post wasn't close enough for a pass. Mm. There was something, anyways. Some reason where we agreed that he that he uh, that he meant it. That was unbelievable from him. Jack McCaffrey in the first game. Jack McCaffrey. Jack McCaffrey single handedly kept Dublin's five in a row intact because without him, one three from wing back, he pre- pretty much played as a wing forward that day. He wasn't really being picked up, which was beyond belief yeah. tactically from Kerry. Gavin White uh, just didn't know what to do with him and he was dropping off him and drop off Jack McCaffrey and you're completely screwed. Why, why would you even want to give that man a head of steam and let him get some kind of, oh. you know, momentum up and, and go past you? That was one of the best individual performances. Paddy Durkin, we have to stick a defender in there, Conan, uh, destroyed Ryan McHugh and then destroyed Jack McCaffrey <laughs> two games in a row. Yeah, Paddy Durkin, um, he was brilliant at space. Like that one against Ryan McHugh, we were talking about, like, will will Mayo do that? Will they be afraid to lose something against Jack McCaffrey as well? We, like, I thought McCaffrey wouldn't be bothered by Durkin. But it was, Durkin was having such an impact for Mayo going forward. That was the thing. He wasn't just marking them. Yeah. He was driving forward for them. Like, and Yeah, like it, it'd be hard to overlook him as well, Willie. I don't know who you've got written down here, but... It definitely will. It definitely will. Michael Murphy versus Kerry scored 1-7. That was a brilliant performance by him. And Ian Corbett needs a shout-out. He scored 1-2 from centre-half back against Tipperary in that shock in the first round of the championship. And his 1-2 he scored were just spectacular uh, 1-2. I remember saying at the time um, that, you know, the goal and the two points were all like the, this man does only knows one way of playing and that's at like 100 miles yeah. an hour he's just like an exciting and there's nothing I love more I don't know Brian is it I know well, I am a traditionalist but there's something about an attacking centre half back centre half backs now just stay back and sit in the pocket and you think of Kevin Moran and these lads you know just these images you have of a number six bombing up the field we need more of that Tom Kelly will throw in a leash yeah. man I used to love just, just get down the field you're bombing down the middle there's no better way to do it yeah. Yeah, Wexford are doing it to their credit. I think that's what makes them so difficult. They're Liam Ryan's point from full back actually against yeah. Tipperary. You know, throw that one into the mix. Um, their their half backs are bombing up the field as well. It's very hard to deal with from a hurling perspective because you're so used to defenders, you know, more or less staying in their position, not going too far beyond midfield. Um, so it's a nightmare but yeah there is something special as you said about a centre back driving up the field is, and, and that's the thing and it's, but it's just like a left or right half back go up and they go up the wing and then they'll try to cut in centre half back just bombs down yeah. the middle and you know is just sets panic into the opposition <laughs> what are we on it now I know it's not as much in Gaelic football now with more defensive systems but still we saw recently Kilku centre back against Derry Gonnelly 
I don't know, the Derry Donnelly centre-back against Kilku yeah. have a great chance. You know, it's still it's still doable. Yeah, and when I saw Corbett, I think it is the number six as well. It it's the number me. six, yeah. yeah. It looks like a, a Sigerson player who's just like cut above, like, you know, the level he's playing at. Like, it's just far too good for these boys and it's just having so much fun out there. Like, you go straight through the straight through the middle. Corbett just plays with such freedom. But McCaffrey, sort of the same thing. Like, he, I know, like, Kerry were dropping off him. I remember doing stats of him in that game and he touched the ball four times in his own half. Every other time he was just picking it up in the carry half and just driving at them. Right, right, them. okay. David Goff needs a needs <laughs> a mention here. We don't have a special referee performance here, but his performance in the first All-Ireland, even though he got criticised at half-time for it, every decision that man made in that final, other than Cluxton maybe diving too early for the Guinea miss penalty, Cluxton was way out off his line. But other than that all those big decisions and they were massive pressure decisions because of the pressure that was on him going into it and I didn't help you know with that like I thought Jesus after his performance in 16 and I'm living in Dublin and it's unfair now when you look back at it in hindsight even saying that when you saw the way he made those calls and all of them being right under that pressure because mm. like yeah it's one thing maybe suggesting that he might be swayed because he's living in Dublin but then yeah, I think this was the Kerry point of view. It's like either way now, people yeah, are in yeah, his head yeah. and he's going to try and like side with somebody to try and prove a point. But he didn't. They just looked at the look at the play and called it as he saw it and he yeah. got it all right. And like you know, even the half time I know there was a bit of controversy, but mo- like everybody seemed to be agreeing with him. Like, you know, like everybody was just like, What the hell are they talking about? Yeah, because that's mm-hmm. where we're setting up one of our later awards, yeah. embarrassing punditry moment of the year. So, anyways, <laughs> the individual individual performance of the year. I don't hide any it's no secret what how big a fan I have of, of Jack McCaffrey. I'm an ex uh, number seven myself, and I love a I love an attack in halfback. To do that in an all in final where your your team is under pressure, um, you're against the ropes, and to score one three like that and keep your team in it, um, I think he's the outstanding candidate for individual performance of the years. Jack McCaffrey in the first all in final. Okay, Brian Hurling, we have she's we have some fairly standout performances here as well. The first two are just like these two fellas are on another planet. Patrick Horgan, 310, 2 2 from play against Kilkenny, and TJ Reid, 211, 2 4 from play against Galway. Let's start there. <laughs> yeah, I think you have one one of those two as the winners anyway. I think um, Patrick Horgan, just a performance for the ages. Like he was obviously class all cha- championship, but this one will go down um, for a long time. People will be talking about that game. Um, and that performance and the two goals we've even already sh- talked about them yeah. um, phenomenal just the you know you see him so- score those points as well where he just comes around the corner and fires it over his shoulder um, off his left hand side um, you know he got shortlisted for hurler of the year you know I'd say that had a massive bearing on this like you know to, to bear in mind um, you know they didn't reach the all semi finals. I'm usually very critical of the fact that you usually have to get the semi final to get an all-star or, or, or that but uh, yeah um, he's just he's just unbelievable and and you know car people probably un, didn't appreciate him enough when he first came in the scene um, probably thought he's a little bit lazy he wasn't didn't work hard enough but uh, he's just he's different level at the moment he, he's he's arguably Cork's greatest forward since Christy Ring you know yeah no definitely is and TJ Reid it's just like two eleven for TJ Reid at this stage you're you're not even surprised you know that this is what he, no. he's he's notching up he's just doing it on such a regular basis for both Kilkenny and for Ballyhill Shamrocks he's 
I think it's because of his profession. Like, I mean, he's he works in strength and conditioning. He's his own gym. And for me, physically, he just likes looks a lot of the time looks on a different level to everyone else on the field. The, way, the work rate he's able to get through and also to be able to combine that work rate with that level of scoring that you just don't... You, like, how rare is that? Yeah, and he's been so closely man-marked all the time as well. Now, he went through a couple of games this year where he didn't score a huge one from play. And still come out and man the match because he's overall influence on the game. He's he really becomes selfless and works so hard and hooks and blocks and wins rocks and you know has great vision. So he he he's, he'll throw the ball out to the man in the best position. And we saw that actually only lately in the in the Leinster club final. Um, so he's he is an all rounder. He didn't have that part of his game either when he first broke on the scene in Kilkenny. He was always able to put up massive scores, um, but you know. Brian Cody moulded him into the player that he is today. I think obviously he was an unbelievable talent, but I think Cody got him to the next level. Yeah, we've been a few more nominations. Ronan Marr versus Wexford. Um, you know, I think the the balls he caught um, in the second half of that game, especially, um, was unbelievable. He was brilliant. Adrian Mullen, excellent for such a young player against Limerick. He scored four from playing the All Ireland semi final. And Willie Dunphy, a wrecking ball as Cheddar. Uh, Cheddar described him here on that Monday in midfield. Four points from play from midfield yeah. and not just the four points from play. Jeez, he hit everything that moved and so did Chad. One freeze, yeah. yeah. And he, he was, he was accepted. That was a performance for the ages too. Like that's one that will live in long in the memory for these people. Yeah, no, definitely. Will. So the winner of the hurling um, performance, individual performance of the year is Patrick Horgan. You can't look past this, lads. The two goals are practically nominations for goal of the season even though I forgot the first one Brian thought I had it on, on my list but I didn't um, that was a brilliant goal and look it's just the whole the whole performance the whole, the whole thing and you're not even throwing into into consideration the distance this lad scores these frees from so he scored 3-10 2-2 from play so it was 1-8 from place balls but at the same time, you're not not those eight points aren't always tap overs for him. He's able to go back into his own forty five and score from there. Oh, he's a massive puck of the ball as well. And you know, like Anthony Nash used to be the long range free taker, and um, you know he's more or less resigned now to stay in the goal because Hogan's coming back so far and hitting him. And and the main thing is most of the time he just stands over the ball as well. He doesn't change his stance where he stands behind the ball and launches his body behind it. Right. He's able to, he's able to just stand over it and just slot it over seamlessly. Um, but as I said, he's, his wrists are so strong. He's hurled really heavy. Um, he's just he's just like he's flicking at the ball. Um, class act definitely yeah. has to get that performance. Yeah. yeah, so congratulations. Patrick Horgan is individual performance of the year. All right, so number seven is surprise manager resignation of the year. And you're going to say that this is a very obvious uh, winner here. But then you throw John Sukru into consideration and everything's relative here. So John Sukru leaving Leash after getting them two promotions in a row mm-hmm. from Division 4 to Division 2. Nobody really wanted that job. Got them into the last 12 for two years in a row in the championship. They went down to Monaghan and Navan which wasn't a terrible loss. They went down badly against Cork, admittedly in Turles, um this year. But at the same time, after the improvements he made with Leash, it was a huge surprise to everyone in Leash anyways, and I'm sure outside of Leash that he stepped down, Conan. Yeah, and well, the Corks, I think, proved that they had stepped up a level come championship, you know, given yeah. especially the performances against Kerry. And I don't want to say it, but for the first 55 minutes against Dublin, like, you know, they looked like a, a good team. Like So in hindsight, it wasn't... That battle lost. He goes to court. Got to the Leinster final the year before, and like yeah, when I heard he had stepped down, I assumed that right, it must be a big job. 
waiting for him. Like that could be the only reason because he was doing so well on a great trajectory. He's obviously a good manager, but yeah, just to sort of step down and away from it. It's it was a funny one, yeah. yeah. So we went for another carry man, Mike Quirk. So we'll see how he see how he gets on. Me Holodonahue, pretty big surprise, um, Brian. Like I know they didn't get out of the group this year, but he had another year left on his contract and had won in All Ireland and just had Galway like in the top two, uh, pretty much favourites every year. Yeah, and players loved him as well, and they really didn't want to see him go. But it's obviously politics really at play there. Um, lot went on behind the scenes and. I think that had a huge bearing on why he walked away and obviously why Franny Ford and Noel Arkin didn't step up um, yeah. as, as the, the next managers either. So a lot of problems there in Galway behind the scenes. I think a lot of problems and I did have an award category for kind of a ministerial mess up of the year and Mayo were on it and Galway were on it and Cork were on it for Parky Keeve and it's going to make the point that when are we going to get a situation where professionals run businesses mm. rather than volunteers? Yeah. And again, because you keep, keep criticising the volunteers and who was it on the show recently saying they're only volunteers that's your neighbour going up to give a few you know hours in his evening after you know working he doesn't have the qualifications for that how can Croke Park stand over allowing this continue while all these mess up and it's going to continue even worse Brian because if we're being honest this is just going to continue and continue and continue because because volunteers cannot run Businesses, these, these these are companies which are running three, four, five million uh, turnover per year. Other other businesses would have staff of fifteen doing fact, that. And and the worst ever, the biggest cardinal sin for me is when you have the treasurers are not accounting. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Now, luckily, and awfully, there was a divisive vote, and we actually put in a, a um, along with the Di- Michael Dignan ticket. You know, we have a, a chartered accountant gone in there now as as the treasurer. But um, but that's beyond so, belief, though, isn't it? But it is on like and like you go up and down the country and all the clubs, let alone the counties. You know, there's no account. You know, it's just in no. fairness, you can't fault the people. They're mean so well, and um, but it is. But like, but it, it's, even, it's, it's it's not yeah. right at county level. Though. No, it really it's is not. Not right. with that money floating around. No. And look, no. they do mean well the majority, but yeah, it's and so you're not open. accusing them of anting untoward or anything like that. It's just. It's just like they're obviously not doing the right things, no, you know what I mean? Or, no. or being as efficient as they should be and bringing in or generating the income that they need to be. And uh, it's just, and you hear the horror stories and we, we've we all been there as players, you know, you know, not getting paid expenses and all silly stuff and, and suppliers not being paid. And like that's still going on in today's age. Like. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying like, but it, it's completely open to corruption by someone <laughs> who wanted to do it, If you know, because the checks aren't in oh, place. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it has it, been done for yeah, years as well, yeah. you know. Yeah, there's, there's all these stories you hear going around about the bags of money from the admi- admission was thrown over a wall and it was going to be collected <laughs> later on. But like it is, it's wide open for to be corrupted. Like, And that's it, it's not professional governance. And like, I mean, how long is this going to continue? Yeah. Like, I mean, the, well, there's one the treasurer one is the best one ever. <laughs> like, yeah, it really is. One. Actually, what's there's, there's one <laughs> the most famous stadiums in, in Munster. I'll leave it at that. Like, when they have their cash games, next minute... There could be about 30,000 at the game. The next one be announced and there'll be about 15,000 oh, actually yeah, announced yeah. at the game. And there'll be a big like, laugh going around the stadium like, and everyone knows where it is as well. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. But it, it is. It, like, I mean, I even know with my own club, Port Leash, they used to have a chairman, uh, Niall Kavanagh, and his profession, he's a managing director of a of a, a stone company. He, he runs, like, I mean, I don't know what their staff is, 30, whatever, and they have a big quarry in Kilkenny and he just ran Port Leash Club very well. The next fella in was a retired guard. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And in my opinion, Port Leash Club was not run well. How, what 
would that man know mm. about running a, a business? You know, that kind of way. So, yeah. like, I mean, it's just a lot of the time it's just po- pure potluck. You could get a treasurer that knows what to do and then you get another one who just comes in and doesn't have a clue what to do. And it's just it's just left up to chance instead of having it run well and knowing that yeah. it's going to be run well. Anyways, surprise manager resignation of the year has to go to Jim Gavin. This came as a huge shock and a welcome shock for all the counties that want to <laughs> maybe see Dublin's dominance ending. We know Desi Farrell now is their new manager. Um, that came out over the weekend. Um um, definitely. So he's going to keep that continuity going. He's managed a lot of those young lads at under 21. They won an All-Ireland in 14 with Mannion, McCaffrey, Kilkenny, all that age group. Then won another one with Khan and Howard and Scully and all them in 17. So like this, you know, it's not like he doesn't know how to win. He has the legendary status that they'll all respect. So he'll be given plenty of, you know, uh, plenty of respect in there rather than having somebody else come in who they're like, who's this lad telling us what to do? Let's be honest, Desi Farrell is a Dublin legend and he played in a way that you just don't love Gaelic football if you didn't like watching Desi Farrell play. Mm-hmm. He was just all action. Um, I saw a thing today, lads, that they're, 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 you know the way all these secretary reports and treasurer's reports come out around this time of the year and they don't usually pay much attention to them. Dublin's sponsorship income jumped from 791,000 in and around to 2.1 million. 2.1 million in one year in sponsorship, oh lads. Oh, my God. Like, and their overall income uh, is 5.2 million. 5.2 million, lads. It's just you're not working on a level playing field here, and that's the reality of it. And you have county boards all over the country breaking their backs and going into debt, trying to keep up and bridge a gap to a county that you could just can't, yeah. you could just can't catch reta- with expertise, with backroom team, with uh, stuff like that. You can't catch them. And that's the reality of it. Mm. You can't. Unless they change the system in some way to, to share out sponsorship money or something like that. Like, I mean, and help yeah. other counties out. I don't know. Anyways, winner <laughs> of surprise manager resignation of the year is Jim Gavin. All right, so um, award number eight is unsurprising manager departure. And to be honest, this is a bit of a crossover with flop of the year. um, Because if you're a flop of the year, then you're an unsurprising manager departure, right? Um, (laughs) Or there's a good chance that you are. Salim Cairns, four years with tip. Um, terrible year in his last in his last year. Liam's obviously an ex manager of mine. Doesn't give me any pleasure to uh, nominate nominate him because I thought Liam was good. Um, at least he treated us all like equals, unlike the previous manager before him. <laughs> which I don't want to get into. Um, Kevin Martin, Brian, two years, kind of middle of the second year, not that long. The other ones, like I mean, Malachi O'Rourke is another nomination. He was there with Monaghan seven years. So suppose in your seventh year, if you're having a terrible year, you're like, "Geez, I've brought them as far as I can." Kevin Walsh in Galway, there five years, no real progress with Galway. If anything, went backwards. Kevin Martin one was a little bit surprising in that he got such a an, an initial kind of jump out of the players yeah. that it's not like they, w- they should have been that sick of him in the middle of year two. Yeah, like look, obviously um, I ended up going in um, as hurling coach after Kevin left. Um, but I, I went publicly before that saying that, you know, the, if, the, if the county board were sticking with him, they had to get behind him and the players had to get behind him because it was very obvious from the outset like that the players had kind of he'd lost the players essentially and they weren't playing anywhere near the, the level they should have been at um, he'd how, only how won did, one he, game yeah, how did he lose the players you know, by the way is he like he's is he a bit too strict for them or was he giving out the whole time or um, you see look 
it, it's it's not as much Kevin's fault as well. There's a bit of a legacy issue there as well. You know, we turn over a huge amount of players in Offaly um, for a county that we simply just don't have them. Um, you know, Michael Fenley's currently at as well. There's close to 40 in there in a the, in the training panel at the moment. And, you know, Kevin played a team at the start of the year, first round of the league against Waterford. And, um, like, it just was unrecognisable as an inter-county Offaly Hurling team. And, because of that then if so many players get an opportunities it, it breeds discontent with a lot of players on the one level which might necessarily be up to the level that uh, that's required to to challenge for for serious honors so you have a lot of players thinking they're good enough but you know essentially when it comes down to it probably not um so you know a little bit of discontent uh strength conditioning coach was fired um he he got the brunt of the blame players you know fitness levels weren't up to um, required standards and then we saw that firsthand when we went in there and they got relegated from that league um, which was a massive setback and I, I assume and, and from listening to sound bites of what um, the county board chairman the outgoing Tommy Byrne said was that he felt that they might get a bounce by by removing them with the two games left um, right. that was that was the that he said that himself so that that's what their thought process was Right so how's things in Offaly now more positive with Dignan in the mix um yeah, look, of course. Brian and Gavin look, is the Leinster yeah. Council delegate. And oh, Brian Gavin went for the nice handy one. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, in fairness to, to Michael Dignan, fair play to him because it's not easy. Um, he put his neck on the line. I think he'll bring a huge amount of organisation and, and um, you know, he'll, he's able to generate income for Offaly as he did for Faithful Fields and for O'Connor Park and brilliant from that perspective and he has some good ideas in terms of employing full-time coaches and he's brought three or four people on board with him um, in terms of the strategic planning but I think he, he might um, might realise that the huge part of, of chairman is on the ground and actually being seen and being visible um, in O'Connor Park and Faithful Fields on a day-to-day basis and right. it'll be huge and I think like that is really hard and you think about it you know, from a player perspective, you don't see the county board around, and I, you, it's the first thing you do. I give about, they don't give a shit about us. You know, right, right, um, yeah, you do see them in everything, that, all right. Yeah, you see them in everything, and that's going to be big, big change for for Michael. I'm not saying he's not going to be capable, but I'm just saying it's going to be it's it's a big, big, massive role. You know, yeah, and of course you have a treasurer. It's almost it. like a politician. If you're not at everything, yeah, you know, you're the worst. Well, the there world, is part of know? it is being like a politician, really. Yeah. Like I mean, you're elected, yeah. like the and and you have a treasurer that knows knows how to count, I suppose, which is a huge. <laughs> <laughs> which knows something about numbers anyways listen so unsurprising manager departure of the year like I mean I'm, I'm a little bit torn on this I think probably if you're looking at Tipperary's um, year this year Liam Kearns had to go I did give flop of the year to Tipperary so they don't want to hammer my ex-manager so I'm going to give the unsurprising manager departure of the year to Kevin Walsh I suppose going from an all-earned semi-final going backwards there's a lot of talk about their style of play and I think after five years maybe with the forwards Galway have he stepped down at the right time and I think everyone's going to be excited to see what Porik uh, Joyce uh, does with the team so winner of unsurprising manager departure of the year for me is Kevin Walsh Okay, so last one, lads. Or oh, second last one, because we we have we have one more after this. It's a it's a bonus award. Um, so number nine is embarrassing punditry moment of the year. So there's four nominations for this, lads. One, um, they're all pretty strong candidates, if you ask me. So the first one is Joe Brawley at halftime in the All Ireland final. I think if anyone was at the great debate recently, um, I outlined the mistakes he made at halftime. Uh, 
in no uncertain terms, Conan. Yeah, he did. He did well. He showed uh, <laughs> just the big screen as well. You were showing pictures of Cooper pulling David Clifford and you were roaring at Brawley saying, you said this was a free out. <laughs> like, you know. He got it so wrong, though. Uh, it wasn't even funny. He got everything wrong at that, ha- that, at that half time. The free, the Johnny Cooper sending off was very, very embarrassing in that only Kieran Whelan, who's another nomination for embarrassing punditry moment of the year, he admitted he was biased towards Dublin. Imagine admitting. Like, sometimes when I talk about Leash, I feel afterwards, have I gone too hard on them just to show that I'm not trying to be biased? Because you you don't want, if you don't have credibility and think that you're biased, how can you ever talk about that team ever again? He's admi- Kieran Whelan admitted he was biased. Now, I thought Kieran Whelan should have got the red card from the following week the same as Joe Brawley. He can't be on a, on a panel talking about Dublin. He's admitted on national television he's biased towards yeah. them. Anyways, Whelan admitted he was biased. This was such a shit show in that All-Ireland <laughs> halftime that Whelan was admitting he was biased and Brawley was more more biased than someone who admitted he was biased. <laughs> yeah, and like, as, like I was saying earlier, I've never seen... Uh, the verdict so unanimous against them like everyone was just like what are you just talking about yeah. like, you know, it was so obvious and they were, they'd gone so far the other way that it was just yeah. clueless stuff and and, me, and uh, ganged up on Pat Splann who analysed it correctly yeah. and Kevin McStay got it correct in the co-com yeah and like we didn't admit he's biased right but we all know that he's, he wants Dublin to win like you want least when I went there yeah. but like to think that you can still analyse the bloody a game a decision <laughs> yeah. we can only imagine the pressure Whelan's under because living in Dublin and you know the element of their support that are toxic. Mm. You come across them on Twitter and they almost try to convince me that I hate Dublin or you that, you know, if you say anything against what they want you to say. And I often reply to them and say, oh, I'm biased um, in the opinion of a totally biased Dublin fan. Do yeah. you know what I mean? How can you possibly even listen to this nonsense? Brian, you would have, I'm sure, sure in hurling you're coming down to collect the ball and you use your body to shield the ball and, you know, you end up getting your mark will run into your back and you get a free. This is the oldest trick yeah. in the book that these fellas couldn't analyse yeah. at half time. Yeah, I actually agree with just one statement you made. Like, Joel Brawley got thrown under the bus, really. And I think Kieran Whelan should have been, you know, yellow carded or red carded, whatever you want to call it, for the for the replay as well. I don't think he deserved, after that performance at half time, to, to go back onto that show either. And as he said, you know, admitting that you're biased. Um, they got it so wrong it wasn't funny because I remember because obviously I, I wasn't at it and I was watching telly and I was literally tearing my hair out saying how could you in like looking at this in slow motion be calling this so wrong um, and, and I agreed like the gang up on Pat Spillane and, and kind of implied that he was the one that was yeah. being yeah. 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 Like, it was yeah. like oh my god which was just like, it was just unbelievable was, in, in Whelan's defence did he mean he's biased that he wanted Dublin to win no because he meant that he was being biased as in he'll call these things wrong for his own county like you'd love to think he didn't mean it that yeah. way Conan I think he said I'm biased so I'm going to say it was a free out or something like that Yeah, where we're all watching the pictures and it wasn't even that Cooper came in the back Cooper had been done completely went around the other side of him grabbed on these arms and pulled them down like you know yeah. and this has been shown as those boys were talking just very disappointing that he would say GA TV or whatever the local you know the, <laughs> yeah. the local yeah. you know if I've, I've done Midlands 103 and you'd be there and you'd be giving out 
you know you're being biased, but you don't care because the only one that's listening are awfully people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, like like that's totally different. You try to be as um, objective partisan. as possible. But, well, yeah, yeah, on local radio, it's partisan. On local yeah. radio, but like you know, you're you're on the national, you know, air airwaves, and the biggest game of the year. No, like there's no place for that. No, no, not at all. Um, Jackie Tyrrell, um, he's down here uh, for embarrassing punditry moment of the year. He blamed Cottle Barrett for Richie Hogan's red. So, like, I mean, you can take the blame away from Richie Hogan and say he didn't mean it, which is completely fine. But I think Jackie took it a step further and actually blamed Cottle Barrett for Richie Hogan hitting him in the face with, with his elbow. Yeah. He said, and I think it was on the Sunday game that night, he says, I don't know if it's a definite red card. It, it's, made to look wor- it's made to look a lot worse. Cahill Barrett, for me, went down way too easy. He made an awful lot out of it. Ah, lads, that's lousy now, Brian. Yeah, um, and you let Henry away light enough as well. Henry was very, very on Richie's side, um, really protecting him at half time as well. Yeah. Um, quite biased. Two. Yeah, now that look, bias. that's bias too. It's on the same level, though, lads, isn't it? Why yeah, can't you now, call it? You know, Henry did say it was um, it was poor tackling, but he was kind of implying it was it wasn't Richie to hit him; it was his arm. Um, so it was some <laughs> mental statement like that. But uh, yeah, look, Jackie's trying to imply obviously that you know Carl Barrett lay down and took it too soft, and you know, no. In fairness, you get an elbow into the head, you'll know all about it, but. Uh, That's the thing. The point, I, the point I make when you see he got a flush across the chin, right, and he fell back. Yeah. Now, did you ever see even bloody Anthony Joshua getting knocked out by your man Ruiz? Sometimes they're just a glancing punch yeah. at the top of the head, and a, a big 17, 20 stone man just falls onto the ground. Like you don't know how yeah, you see, react I, to I getting a glancing just, blow I, I think like it that. Goes back, back. I, I no, look, I. I I agree with you but I think it goes back to Kenny's mindset and the way that they hurled and the way that Richie Hogan jumped up when when he was hit by Bill Cooper the way yeah. you think back at Tommy Walsh when he jumped up on, when um, Benny Dunn hit him straight into the head yeah. that's just the way they're brought up and they don't see it any other way yeah. and they're blind to that to, to, to a fault obviously it's really admirable um, so I, I can see it um, I, I kind of came up in that culture as well yeah. and I do believe in that sort of thing myself and JJ, JJ said here on the show and the one thing that did make a little bit more sense to me said that wouldn't have been a red in Kilkenny Club Hurling and I believe that yeah. but Jackie yeah. that's okay so I understand JJ saying it wasn't a red I understand Henry saying it wasn't a red but for me Jackie took it to a new level by blaming Cottle Barrett that, you know what I mean yeah, that's, no, that, I, agree, I agree with you yeah, yeah. Um, okay so the last nomination has to be uh, Donal O'Cusack we're leaving Derek McGrath out of this because I think Derek McGrath um, he's getting away light now well <laughs> look I think Donal O'Cusack brought it up and yeah. I think Derek now Derek had talked about that on the show before I don't know what Derek was going down that road again for but the start Basically, it was self-serving stuff out of the two of them. I can't, you know, you can't yeah. forgive Derek or let give him a complete free pass. But Don Logue took it to another extreme then when he said he was talking, the context here is he's talking about people who criticise defensive systems in hurling or sweeper systems. He says, I actually believe that type of accusation of disrespecting the traditions of the game is part of the last remnants of British culture on these islands. <laughs> Well, Wooly, I don't know about you, but he has to win this award. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest load of shite I've ever heard in my life. Uh, don't look, it's come out with some rare ones now down through the years, but this really topped it all off. Yeah. Well, Conan, you're obviously from Derry, so you know a lot about British, <laughs> British culture. <laughs> you yourself, <laughs> And all about oppression up there. How can you see the, the connection he's made or the dots he's joined here? <laughs> that is terrible, carry on. Um, I, I really don't know what he's talking about. Like, 
I thought it would have been an Irish person that would have been like you know saying that you're disrespecting the traditions of the game. Why would a British person say you're disrespecting the traditions of the game? A British person wouldn't give a shit about that. Yeah, no, I think it's the British, no, it's the Brit- the British people's um, it's influence the, it, on Irish society. Yeah, but it's, it? it's it's their it's their inability to to criticize their own sport. You know, yeah. this kind of oh, it's it's perfect, it's great. Yeah, I think that's look. I'm doing yeah. this man a favor here, yeah. trying my best to find <laughs> you know, kind of what the hell is he talking about? Because it was a head scratcher for everybody. But I think that might be what he's talking about: is their inability to be self deprecating yeah. maybe about their own. I don't know. In a, in a way, yeah, I thought it was a, it was a decent tactic from him. He didn't he didn't land it perfectly, but um, I thought like you know trying to get people who are criticising the defensive football, they think that they're British, <laughs> <laughs> then they might they quickly soften their coughs. A bit. Remnants, yeah. yeah, the last remnants, the last remnants. What a, what a line from the Sunday game. And the worst thing about this is this man. This was didn't come off the top of his head. Oh, you've been thinking about what well, can't do a car yeah. accident. This is no, something now that this is. <laughs> I, I did a Dublin one. Well, he he said something like this is something that I've been thinking about actually a lot recently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, embarrassing punditry moment of the year has to go to Donald Cusack yeah. for the last remnants of British culture on these and islands. Can I just say thanks for losing me my job in RTE. I'm just after <laughs> criticising all my colleagues so thanks Wally, appreciate that one. <laughs> you're, listen, you're on the COCOM staff. You're different. That's the, you're, this is different. This is even I'm like only a- on radio as well, you see. I'm only small fish. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, congratulations Donald Cusack. Okay, that's the last, uh, the last, uh, the last award before we let you go is the JP McManus sponsored award for the worst use of mobile phones, um, and this, <laughs> the nominations for this are Shane Dowling um, enjoying his night out, doing putting his usual story up on Instagram. I don't know why people bother doing it. What kind of a distraction is this to your night out that you need to? And then you have to edit the video and stick it into different parts. And oh Christ, imagine that on a night out. So, anyways, inadvertently. He recorded somebody putting something into one of his teammates' hands, Peter Casey. Um, looked suspicious. A receipt Let's, and change. A receipt, a receipt and change. Did look suspicious, probably looking at it. Peter Casey has since um, got a doctor's report and uh, to clear his name. So that's nomination one. <laughs> Shane McMahon, I suppose, completely innocent in, in all of this. You know, while I have no interest in taking those stories on a night out, um, lots of young people do so I suppose we can't criticize that's what they're all at um, and then the second nomination from Limerick is the unidentified uh, uh, Limerick panel member who recorded his teammate getting in a straightener with some fan over in New York and geez, they had to cancel their awards night and everything over it Brian how do you think they've handled this whole thing? Oh, some mess for John Kiley to deal with in the background. Um, there's nobody gone though. There was talk there was going to be a few of uh, them given the I, bullet. Yeah, you see, I have, there isn't been official word. I, I've I've heard rumours that there's a couple of panel members being dropped. Um, but then you don't know how much of that you can believe. Um, and the person who who was supposed to video uh, that fight as well was uh, um, one of the, the the main players on the team as well. So yeah. they see how that will be dealt with. Um, in my in yeah. my experience, it depends who it is doing these things because oh, yes, the level of the level of it was always it's so easy to drop a, a panel member, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great message, you know, and and, and, ma- and make one of the team members sit out a game or something. You know, but like. we were we were on, on it. I was only talking to Cottle Barrett here, and he was dropped from the Tipperary panel under Michael Ryan. He had gone out after a match against Cork, then gone out the following weekend. Um, 
and ended up getting injured against Cork and he ended up getting into a bit of bother the following weekend. You know, that's well documented. But he was the easiest person ever to drop and make an example of because he couldn't be, couldn't play for the rest of the summer. He got he got a bad injury. Do you know what I mean? So managers aren't stupid. They're not going to get rid of someone that they need unless it's you know really really you know. Yeah. I, I always say you need to get people over the line, like you know a certain line of standard. But you have to help some people over the line as well when they're worth helping over. Like yeah. And if there's ones who aren't that worth it, then you can just cut them loose and tell the squad this won't be tolerated. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's the easy one. So the JP McMahon is sponsored, he didn't sponsor this, award for the worst <laughs> use of a mobile phone goes to the unidentified limber curler. <laughs> <laughs> we can't mention that. Coder could not still be on the panel. We think he'll still be on it because he's too good who recorded his friend having a straightener with some fan in, lo- in New York. And so the congratulations. Award, the award, who will we send this to? <laughs> the award for the worst award. <laughs> Goes to this one. Yeah, maybe we'll get JP McManus to get to sponsor the award for the worst award. <laughs> Anyways, listen, that's all we've time for. We will be back on we'll be back on Thursday and we'll do a best of um a best of the year or something like that, and then we're all off for Christmas. We'll talk to you then. Congre- thanks very much for listening to the Woolly Awards. And you'll probably never listen to them again. Talk to you. Good luck. <laughs> Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer bet gets a goal. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance of goal, I said I should go on. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. I let it go, cause I won't see you later, but not